So you're telling me that in the last two years, you've got about $30 million of real estate, got 200 multifamily units plus a resort, no syndication, no family money, no friends money, no bank loans. And you did this without having to become a realtor just for the MLS access. Oh, that was one of the biggest mistakes. <laughs> Welcome to the Action Academy podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. Christian Osgood. What's good, my brother? Hey, man. How's it going? How's it going? Dude, going awesome. You ready to blow some minds today? Dude, always. Let's do this. All right, guys, I hope you're sitting down. If you're jogging or you're walking while you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and sit down. I don't care if you're in the middle of a trail. If you're driving in the middle of the road, don't stop. Keep driving. But at least you're sitting down and buckled up for this because we're about to take you on a freaking ride, guys. It's going to be a fun one. Christian, man, who is who's Christian Osgood? Gosh, for most of my career, I was a sales rep who wanted to be a real estate investor. I actually, I made the mistake I think a lot of people make where I was in the nine to five. I got out of college with a general business degree and I went from sales job to sales job, trying to invest in real estate, picked up a couple of duplexes along the way. But I ended up at the CoStar Group for four years. They own apartments.com, LoopNet. Uh, basically, they own all the data for commercial real estate, mm-hmm. a huge multi-billion dollar company. I wanted to get into real estate and I worked there for four years without buying any real estate, thinking that being in a job related to real estate was a path to get there. And I think my lesson there, and this leads to who I am to answer your question directly. I had a point where I just realized this is actually in 2020 when they shut down everything. And I I had a second to take inventory and be like, wait a second, I haven't done what I want to do. What I learned is if you want to be a real estate investor, you do in fact have to buy real estate. And I think a lot of people forget that step because we want to add steps. So who I've become in the last two years is I have about 200 multifamily units. I started with basically no money of my own at all. I have one core business partner. Everything is seller financed, no bank loans to acquire. And yeah, I, I built that all in a relatively short period of time once I identified like what I actually want to do and started doing it. So now I'm a real estate investor. I own a property management company that is rocking it in Grant County, Washington. And uh, yeah, we buy real estate, we talk about real estate, and that's what we do. So you're telling me that we've got in two in the last two years, basically, in the last two years, we've got about $30 million of real estate, got 200 multifamily units plus a resort, no syndication, no family money, no friends money, no bank loans. And you did this without becoming having to become a realtor just for the MLS access. Oh, that was one of the biggest mistakes. <laughs> when, when I, so, so when I when I swapped out of CoStar, I was like, "How do I do this without income?" And so I did what a lot of people do. I got my broker's license, and it was in conjunction with a call center that I was starting. So it was an entrepreneurial venture, but we were gathering data, and there was a lot of uh, property management sales that came through there. S- since there was a lot of interaction with owners. I picked up my broker's license, sold a few million dollars of real estate and remembered that I don't want to have a sales job. I want to be an entrepreneur and own real estate. So yeah, you don't have to be a broker. My broker's license helped me get exactly zero deals. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I kept it for a year. I let it expire. It, you do not need that. The, my core message for everyone is do not add steps. Identify what you want to do. Don't skip steps. Like you, you can't do that. But everyone adds steps. I think it's because we go from like first grade to second grade to get to third grade, to get to a good college, to get, that's how we're programmed. But people want to add qualifiers to get where they want to go. If you're thinking like an entrepreneur, it's like, where do I want to be? What do you have to do to get there? And then you only do those tasks. So don't add steps. If you don't want to be a real estate agent, you want to be an investor, become an investor. I want to hit on that for a second and let you riff on this before we dive into the strategy. So a cheat code of life that I've been told by mentors and I've observed it over all these interviews and watching people operate. And I study successful people basically for a living now. And it seems like the cheat code is whatever you want to be or whoever you want to be in life, simply look at that person, observe what actions they're taking, and then do said actions that they're taking. And you will just level up the game. So it's if you're looking at somebody like Christian today and you're saying, okay, cool. Christian owns 200 multifamily units. I've got three doors. If you simply were started doing what Christian's doing that he talks about in the podcast today that would go over, then it'd be reasonable to assume that you'll have a better shot of accomplishing the same result. And it's just what you said is so important because people think that there's a like a legal process that you have to follow. Like we talk about the stack method on bigger pockets all the time. That's what we all hear. We say, okay, year one, I do a deal. Year two, I do two deals. Year three, I do four deals. Sounds like in two years, y'all did 200. So that's exactly what you're saying. It isn't a linear thing. You simply were just like, okay, what are the big investors doing? Let's do that now. Can you riff on that a little bit? Yeah. So a lot of people don't know this. I actually don't share this in every podcast, but we have never asked or at least I have never asked for a sale. Like I've never gone to an owner and said, hey, would you be open to carrying a contract? Would you be open to selling this? What price do you want? Whatever the, whatever people are doing out there, everyone's doing that. Everyone has this hyper focus on like, I got to find someone willing to sell a property. You just nailed my entire model on the head. You identify what it is you want to do, which I mean, take time. Like, And I'm talking time, spend a week, spend a month just like thinking and planning on what is it that I actually want to do? For me, it was, I want to retire my wife from being a kindergarten teacher in Washington State because our politics here are insane. We got weird in 2020. So it was like, we want to get my wife out of that. And then I have wanted to move to a sunny state. I'm 30 now. I, I, I want to live in Texas. So we went, okay, what is our path for building that through real estate? And how do I scale? Like I had this 10-year program to retire my wife. It became a one-year when stuff got weird. So for me, it was like, okay, who has done what I want to do? Let's meet with those people in the market that I want to do that in. So we went to Grant County, a city called Moses Lake. And there are like, and this is in every town in the US, by the way, this works everywhere. There's always a few players who own, you know, 20 to 200 units in, a, in any small market. You get in there, there's always the few big players. I met with all of them. And instead of saying, hey, would you sell me stuff? I'm like, okay, here's where I'm stuck. Try to retire my wife. I got two duplexes. I invest in your market. You have this 20 unit building and I have absolutely no idea how to take that out. They usually respond with, I'm not selling and because that's what they're used to being beat up with. And I'm like, oh good, because I don't have any money. I have no idea how I'd buy it, which is why I'm calling. I want to know how you built your business. Where did you get started? Because this is where I'm stuck and I'm just admiring what you've built. Most people will share with you. If you have a sincere, I'm like, I don't know how you built this. I'm in awe of what you built and I'm trying to figure it out. 
in general, no one's friends or family actually really cares all that much about what they've done. In general, they love talking about it. They're like, holy crap, someone's actually interested. Finally, they'll talk to you about it. You get coffee. And those are the people who sometimes they sell you a deal, but more often they're, they become invested in your success. You learn from them. You apply what you learn. And they're the people who call and say, hey, I, I, I'm going to pass on this deal because it's too small or it's not right for me. This hits your goals. You need to make this phone call and this is going to get you started. And that happened to us five, six, seven times. Now, two years in, we got a call last week where someone, one of the three biggest players in town called and said, hey, I'm actually done with real estate. I'm going to travel the world. I've made my money. I'm going to sell everything. Would you guys like to buy it all on a contract over the next three years? 10% down, seller financed, 5% interest. Like those happen from relationships. You're not going to cold call someone and go, hey, man, would you sell me everything that you've ever built? That doesn't happen. So our entire model is exactly what you said. Identify what you want to do. Meet with the people in your market who've done that and just go learn. Do not ask them to sell their stuff. They already know what you want to do because you communicated in the conversation. But yeah, that's the model, man. That is how we've done everything we've done. Dude, I love that. And it's not only just you guys, it's like the answer. It's the answer to the problem. Yes. And people are just trying to make it overcomplicated. And they try to sit and come up with this new, like they try to reinvent the wheel over and over again when it's already been done. And everyone gets so stuck in capital H, how do I do this? The mm-hmm. how's already been done, my brother, my sister. It's already done by thousands of people. Thousands yep. and thousands of people are financially free through real estate. And you're stuck at how? That's the easiest part. It's with, like, it's the who and the where that's the hard part. And with so few exceptions, everything you want to do, someone else has done. I suppose if you're Elon and you're trying to get to Mars, sure, that no one's done that yet. But generally speaking, the goals that you have set, like for me, like I want to retire my wife, I want to go to Texas, I want to do this through real estate. There are so many people who've retired through real estate. Now we've done it faster than a lot of people, but the model's there. And the fun thing is when you take all this experience, like we have five or six, seven people who've done this. They've done it with creative finance. They've done it over say 10 year period. Mm-hmm. You get to take all of their knowledge that they built in a 50 year career and you get to compress it. And when you can compress and leverage their knowledge, you get to compress the time it takes to get there. Like the only reason we got to where we're at in a two year period isn't because we're amazing or we're geniuses. It's we just listened to people who've done this They've already gone through all the time-consuming steps, and we were just really fast to assimilate knowledge and apply the knowledge. We're standing on hundreds of years of combined experience from six or seven just absolutely ridiculously successful people. And that's all you really have to do. And then when you get to, hey, I'm finding a deal. I'm trying to underwrite this. I'm looking for a lawyer in my market. I'm trying to raise capital. Guess who has money and contacts? Those same people who've already done what you want to do. It's a very simple model and it doesn't take a whole lot of time. Like it takes some coffee meetings. It takes effort. Yeah. Yeah. But like people, I see these stupid metrics. Like I'm going to make a hundred phone calls a day. Dude, I I cap at one. Like I will make my max is I'll make one call a day in five calls a week to owners in my market. One person is going to take a coffee meeting. I'm going to meet with 52 people a year, 52 people a year. Know who you are, know what you're trying to accomplish and are sharing knowledge with you. I, I'm just going to tell you, I don't care what your goal is. If it's business, if it's real estate, whatever, you're going to succeed if you have that sort of network being built on an annual basis. And that, again, that takes one phone call a day. That's not hard to do. 
Yeah. And what's what I really love about all of this is there's a million ways to make a million dollars. And there are people out there that are that are buying traditional bank finance. They're calling brokers. They're doing their lead measure actions to, to hit financial freedom. And that's fine and good. And the cool news, the good news of all of this is you can do that while still baking on what Christian is talking about here. Like you can mm-hmm. do both. I want to pull out a couple of points here because there's also ways that this can go uh, completely wrong. So first off, a quote that I have that I really like with what you're saying is, instead of trying to be the most interesting person in the room and trying to lead with how interesting you are and why people should talk to you, just be the most interested person in the room. Mm. And Because any room that you're in where everyone's a big player, especially people that are going to real estate meetups for the first time, stop banging your chest and instead just be the most interested person in the room to everyone. Be like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. Can you teach me? That will help a bunch. So one thing that you said that I do want to, I do want to, hit on this. Yeah. Anybody worth their salt. Whenever I hear, whenever I get a message, which I get hundreds now, can I pick your brain? A part of me dies inside. <laughs> I don't want my brain picked. A part of me dies inside. Let's mm-hmm. specify how you went out, how you went about these outreaches for people to actually take you up on it. A couple of things that I pulled out from your story was you were leading with proof of action. You said, mm-hmm. hey, I am doing this and this already. I have this specific problem. I see you have reached specific solution. Like I'm already taking action and I'm confused about here. Can you help me specifically here? And then they're like, yes. Is that spot on? Is there anything that you could add to that? Because there's so many people that are trying to pick brains. And I was like, that's as as efficient as picking noses. Like it doesn't work anymore, guys. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, the, we've done our best to document our, our whole method. So we share this on our YouTube channel. It, this is like the first chapter that you're going to hit. If you ever, if anyone ever takes our course, it's multifamilystrategy.com. But if anyone goes through our method, the first thing you're going to hear is exactly how to communicate with others in a way that is beneficial to them and beneficial to you. Because you want to win all the way around the board. We divide it into three things. We have something called the circle drill. But essentially, you're going to map out your life. You're the center of your circle. When you're doing these conversations you have a relatable point because that's what's going to get you in the door. And for me, it's usually I own real estate, you own real estate, but it could be anything. It's going to be something that relates to a lot of people. So you should map your story. What have you done? Were you an athlete in high school? Did you have a a traumatic experience? And and whatever it is, map out the things that make you and know your talking points around those. All those are going to lead to the next third of your circle, which is going to be a clear and concise goal. I am trying to do X or Y. For me, I'm trying to get my wife out of teaching. It's going to cost me about $10,000 a month in recurring income to comfortably do. I now have a clear and defined goal. Then there's one more piece to it, which is the significance behind that. And you don't dump all this on them, but you should know, hey, when she's out of teaching, this is what she's going to do. This is what happens when that goal is hit and why that matters. When you can communicate those, that's going to get buy-in where people are now invested in your success. What I always forget to share is that intro should take you about 45 seconds. You are there to listen and learn. And and I learned this from missing the the meeting. First time I ever did this, I over-talked and you can literally see the smile on the person's face just slowly start to, it goes from here to gone. Yeah. For for those listening, I'm not smiling anymore. Um, (laughs) The smile fades, the arms start to cross. And I was like, oh, shoot, we've overshot this abort. And, and the meeting did end. And he's like, you know what? Over the next 10 years, I'm trying to sell everything I want to sell to you guys. So the meeting still worked. But 
this is a this is less than a minute. Communicate who you are, what you're doing, why it's important, and right into let's talk about you guys. How did you build what you build? Where did you get started? The most important thing in your whole conversation with them, I think the most important question, I always weave in at the end of it. Based on where I'm at and what you told me, what do you recommend that I do as a next step? Because mm-hmm. they're going to yeah. give you a piece of knowledge. And, and sometimes it's not helpful. That's okay. Usually it's an actual absolute gem. When you get the real buy-in is when whatever they say in that question, you go out and you apply it and you come back to them and you say, thank you for that. I did what you told me. Nobody does that. And that is where you get the ultimate buy-in. I'm going to give one example and then I'm going to give you the mic back. But the, one of the first people they ever bought with, what they told us to do was, hey, they sold us a 12 plex. He's like, the project I should have done, and I, you guys can't do it right now because you don't have the money. When you can, you need to go from this, it's called a butterfly roof. The roof actually goes, it's like a reverse roof. There's a valley that drains. However, we're in a place that snows a lot in the winter. So there's a big ice dam and it causes huge problems. He's like, what you should do is you should stabilize this building, find a way to refinance or recapitalize, and you should put a pitch roof on this. He's like, that is the next move that I would make to boost your values. We waited a year. We got the capital together. We put that pitch roof on. We came out, invited him to the property, talked about what we did. And that it was shortly after that, that he came in and said, hey, I'm looking to get out of the game. I'd like to sell you guys everything. And it's a lot of stuff. I'm talking seller financing, new 20. 20- 17 build three bedroom units. Yeah. 10% down. Crazy. That came simply from saying, what would we do next? What would you do in our position? And his thing is stabilize, then optimize. And if you can optimize this building, you're going to be in a way better place. And we did it. And he's like, cool. You get the model. You can do this. I'm comfortable handing my real estate to you because now I know how you're going to handle it. Those are the keys to being successful that starts on that circle drill and it goes full circle to listening what they say in the dang meeting. Yeah. It's the most important thing over and over again. It's what we, it's what we talk about 24 seven, like document what they said. And then if they send you a book, then you're like, I've read the hell out of this book, this page and this page, like really stood out to me. And what you'll start to realize, and for people that are sticking with us right now, like we're going, this isn't clickbait. We're going to get you into the strategy, but this is so important for people at every single level because my eight figure peeps and my nine figure peeps still do this. It doesn't go away. There's always another fish. There's always a bigger fish. There's always that billionaire that just moved down the street and you need to get in their world when you're nine figures. There's always someone that's doing something different. And so that and never what goes away. this level doesn't it isn't what's going to get you to the next level. Every single time there's another level and there's another level and you have to meet the next person. You never stop doing this. Yeah, we're going to get into the strategy and the, the basics of how we built what we built. But this is the core thing. Like if you do these things in any business, like this is really the strategy. Like the strategy is learn the strategy of the people who've done what you want to do in the area you're trying to do it. Like that's. Yeah. The and anybody and anybody worth their salt will give you stuff as a test. Like they will test you and they will, it, it will get increasingly more difficult as time progresses. Like the test that like what did it for me was I'm a member of this group called Go Abundance. Yep. And so I got invited. I emailed the cold emailed a guy that was worth a hundred million dollars back in 2020. And he replied back and they said, Hey, uh, sure. Yeah. We'll talk with you. Uh, we've got this mastermind event that we're doing in Colorado on Thursday. It's five grand. Uh, if you want, we'll give you a guest spot. And so I was just like, I don't have five grand. I was like, 
okay, I'm going, I'm making it work. And so I put on a credit card, I went and they were like, whoa, we didn't think you'd show up. And now my life four, three, four years later, it's completely 180 because I did that. And I showed proof of action, which is hence another reason why we named this Action Academy. So dude, let's dive in, man. This is awesome. Let's walk through this strategy. So walk us through why you do things the way you do. So when you're looking to start your acquisition process, you and Cody are getting together. Cody will come on this podcast too. And you're saying, okay, we want to retire my wife. I don't want her to be a kindergarten teacher. We want to get out of this. Bank loans are obviously the traditional way to go. Mm-hmm. What was the original thought process and mission and vision behind, let's not do bank loans. Let's figure out this seller finance thing. Walk us through this discovery process. Okay, so I'll make it really simple. Bank loans are for people who have money. Starting out, <laughs> in terms of money, there is none. Cody's first deal, he was 19 years old. And he had $3,000. And no credit score. He, he just got his first credit card. You're not going to qualify for a commercial bank loan, which means you're going to have to start with some sort of house hack. You're going to have to do, you're going to have to buy small. If you want to play conventional, you're going to have to play within the rules. If you don't fit the conventional box, that's out. That's a game for people who are more established or have connections who can get them in. Cody and I, neither of us had friends or family money. For me, I had a career. I had about, I started with about $100,000 saved up over an eight year career and I owned my house. Not in cash, but I'd already purchased the house. I was a little farther along. My $100,000 bought me two duplexes and then I was out of money. So like when getting in commercial real estate, there's no cash. There's very little proof of concept. If you have no money, little credit and like just little credit history and little experience, a bank's not going to give you a loan. So we did what we had to. But what we found is if you use creative finance, I actually think even if you have money, you should creatively finance your first deal. And the reason is you have to understand the debt products. The problem with banks is they're going to tell you what the rules are. We're going to give you this loan at this interest rate for this term on this product that hits this metric. It goes debt, and then you line up that debt package to a deal. And then if you need an equity partner, you need to take that whole package to an equity partner. It is way out of order. The order for you note takers out there, deal, then debt, then equity. You always start with the opportunity. The opportunity, nine times out of 10, our opportunities come up because they don't work with the bank or the bank is not the right answer for that deal. If you can write your finance terms, that means you have to understand the basics of, hey, this has to cash flow. What sort of loan factor rate can I use? What debt product do I need that correctly lines up with this? And how do I write both sides? I write a deal that knocks it out of the park for the seller, the owner who wants to sell to me. And I write a debt product that allows me to hold this in long-term cash flowing fixed rate debt. That is the equation. You don't learn that or you don't have to learn that if you rely on the bank to tell you what you can or can't do. And if you understand those things, when you play with the bank loans, because we do plenty of commercial refinances later down the road, but if you always acquire on your own terms, you can do deals no one else can do and you're going to understand both sides of the equation in a different way. So 100%, like we did it because we have to. We share one quick story. Cody's impressive doing his whole thing at 19 with $3,000. He didn't spend the $3,000, by the way. He raised all the capital for a deal that worked. We had a, our first, one of our first ever mentees is named Caleb Hommel. He's all over our YouTube channel, a fantastic investor. He joined at 18, 19. He had 300 bucks 
We charged at the time 300 bucks for our mentorship group and his payments bounced like every other month. He literally, I talk about starting with no money. Bank's not going to lend to that kid. He's 20 now. He has 53 multifamily units over four transactions. Buy an out of state across the country. You can't do that with a bank. It's just not possible. Cool. So let's dive into the terms because the terms in seller finance, I find this is a valuable skill to build regardless. Because right now, when it comes to opportunities and having skill sets in your entrepreneurship tool belt, the skill of deal negotiation and debt negotiation on top of finding potential mentors and coaches like you talked about, we discussed previously in this episode. If you combine those three skill sets and those three tools, you will have all the money and infinite amounts of wealth in, in the world. That's it. And seller finance, the same terms apply, the same skill sets apply when it comes to buying a business. So it's the same kind of conversation. The variables are different, but it's still just price rate and terms. So it's the same thing when you're coming to buying real estate, buying businesses. When you're buying multifamily, you basically are buying a business. It's just got the cloak of being a real estate investment because it's multifamily. Yeah. Oh, by the way, price rate and terms. That's another reason why we, we don't use the banks to acquire stuff, especially right now in our current debt environment. Softball question here for you, but okay, on a bank deal, what are you allowed to negotiate out of price, rate, and terms? The only way you can adjust your rate or terms, you have to win on price to do a bank deal. You, it's the only input that you can change. Your inputs are really limited with a bank. Right now in our current environment, and not that this doesn't work in every environment, but it's especially important right now because when rates moved from four to 8%, I, I'm seeing some stuff come through on, on variable, uh, various commercial debt products higher than 8% now. But when the interest rates double, people still want last year's price. There's a lot of people out there. I think my building's worth this. And it's, yeah, it probably is. But no one's going to pay that because the debt costs twice as much and you want the same price. Like it just, the deal doesn't work anymore. It is so easy right now to go to these deals that are stuck on the market instead of looking at them conventionally going that like, you want last year's price? Let's write something that looks like last year's debt. This doesn't work at 8%. Because it's, it it's, it's not going to sell because of the cap rates. They're not going to be able to sell because now that the cap rates have changed, it's like none of the debt works anymore. So the, pro, the NOI can be up, but the value of the property is decreased. Yep. And if they want the price, then we're going to need long-term fixed rate debt, the cash flows. I believe in a 10-year period, we can pay on last year's pricing and we'll be fine. We get market ups and downs on, in general, the market will move up over time because we keep printing money. There's inflation. There, there's a ton of factors that play into that. But real estate always goes up in the long term. You just can't make short-term bets and overpay for properties, which is where I think a lot of people get burned in creative finance is they negotiate stupid deals. So you do need to know what you're doing, which is why I think it's so important to learn it. But the rules are long-term cash flowing fixed rate debt. So focus on long-term. If I say the property was worth 6 million last year, this year, it only works at 5 million. I can do that deal at $6 million right now. If I get a 10-year note at 5% interest only, it's going to cash flow beautifully. And in a 10-year cycle, there's going to be a point where $6 million is a perfect valuation. And we and can go about, ahead and adjust yeah, the debt. I want to talk about that. So let, we'll break it down. We'll break it down into yeah, price, duration, and terms here. So let's start with duration here, because I think this is an important 
point to hammer home. So you're, you've said 10-year multiple times, and that's super important because how do you traditionally buy bank-financed multifamily properties on three to five-year bridge debt, right? Mm-hmm. That is the most risky thing to do in one of these environments. And now we're on the opposite end of these last three to five-year balloon payments that are now coming due. And the reason that people are defaulting is because why? Because the properties, even though they may have increased in, in income and rents collected, the, on the bank says they're worth less. <laughs> yep. And so you can't even sell it for what you bought it for. So talk about the 10-year duration and why that's important. So 10 years is the, the cutoff for where I call it long-term. And by the way, we've done seller finance deals on 30-year fully amortized seller finance notes. God. We'll never have to refinance them. You, the fun thing with this is you get what you negotiate. And quick tip there, always ask for what you want. Some people negotiate too hard against themselves. Ask for what you want, see if you get it, and then always adjust to make sure that everyone in the deal wins. But yeah, when you were talking about duration, if I'm doing a creative finance deal and price is, say it's at market rate or it's above market rate, because again, price is one of many variables. If we're getting all of our value of the deal in the terms of our note, your terms are only worth the duration that you have those terms, right? So if I get this amazing debt product, it cash flows a ton, the deal totally works, but it's a three-year balloon. Imagine what happens if I purchased this property back when interest rates were 4%. I'm probably doing my math saying in a rough market, rates could go all the way up to 6%. Then we get to today, three years later, 8% plus. 8% plus. I'm like, oh, shoot. We're seeing, and it really, the, the, a lot of the syndicators really got rocked with this because they did a lot of variable rate debt, hence the fixed yeah, rate, but long term fixed rate. defaulting right now. Yeah. Because you have all this defaulting debt because they're like, hey, I I made a bet that interest rates aren't going to double or triple immediately. And turns out they did. Now, on a long-term debt product, that affects me exactly 0% on any of our notes. Like, okay, it's a rough spot right now. Uh, My variables are fixed, so my expenses didn't change. My deals cash flowed day one. And so the cash flow is getting better and better because a lot of these factors are forcing rent to go up. And um, I'm going to say just realistically in a decade, we're going to see ups and downs. I don't have to change anything. The two questions we ask every time we buy anything, no takers, get the pen out. How do you own it? And how do you never lose it? Doesn't mean you never sell anything. I, I know you just sold some property, but you sell things on your terms when you want to adjust your pieces. You never want to be in a position where you have to sell to survive. Yeah. So how do you own it? And how do you write a deal where you know you're never going to lose it? And that's always the same thing, long-term. 10-year period, I believe the metric, please don't quote me on this if people blow me up in the chat. I think it's any eight-year period, real estate always has gone up. Like there, I, I The think market that, cycles, yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't think there's an, I don't think you can take a, a snapshot of any eight years where the market is lower at the end than it was in the beginning. But the market always goes up in a long period of time. On a 10-year period you'll be in a better place than you're at here. At least that's what history has told us. Mm-hmm. At the rate that we print, I think that's even going to be more exaggerated. I think real estate at some point in the next decade is going to do another absolute, like just huge push up. Uh, whether that's good or bad for the economy, that's up for debate. But I do believe that's how we're stacked, the way that we are printing money and the way that we're putting more expenses out there on landlords. Mm-hmm. Rent has to go up. NOI has to meet it. Value, it's just going to get more expensive to play the game. If you put a debt product that doesn't care about the market, it's just completely market agnostic. Congratulations, you won the game. 
you've won capitalism. Every time you close a deal, you get paid more and you get paid more for a long time. Yeah, I love this, man. And so it's just like nobody has a crystal ball and nobody can predict anything, obviously, because and we're not trying to like crap on the syndicators. Some syndicators were reckless, but other syndicators, it's just like, how do you call the interest rate thing happening? You know, because and any I had was around a bunch of smart people and nobody predicted how COVID was going to happen besides a very handful of people. They thought that was going to be the black swan that wiped everything out, but instead everything increased. So what you were talking about before is you have people that are trying to sell it last, but even though the interest rates have increased and they're st- sticking with their price, now mm-hmm. that we're recording this in October 2023, I believe the tides are starting to turn from what I'm seeing. So yeah. rents are starting to decrease slightly to come yep. down to demand. The multifamily owners are starting to realize, ooh, okay, I can't sell it. Like They're stuck on this price. That's starting to wane a little bit going into 2024. Commercial? Like all these commercial properties, especially retail. Oh my God. So that's really, <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. So yeah. I want to ask, so let's lay in the plane here. Yeah. So I want to, let's walk through somebody's listening to this right now and they just heard us rant and they're saying, okay, cool. So interest rates are high. I have low to no money right now. I want to get into the deals. My first question to you. I want to hit on the, the seller finance process of how you went about this and negotiation as well. But first, cash flow. How the hell are you cash flowing? Because that's the problem that people need. Like they need to start with cash flow. And so it's very difficult, especially if you're raising money for multifamily, which you guys didn't. The cash flow isn't really the thing that gets you out. It's the acquisition fees and it's the exit three to five years later. So you guys aren't doing that. So how are you achieving cash flow in multifamily today? If you write your own interest rate, it's pretty easy. So for those who are good at calculus, we're going to get deep here. Cash flow is income minus expenses. <laughs> needs to be positive. And that's not hard math to do. Five star rating and a review. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. You can subscribe, guys. So when we're doing this, the, the deal needs to make money. And it, the, the easiest way to do this, and I won't go super deep into the loan factor rates, but essentially a loan factor rate is going to be your true cost of capital. So it's going to be principal plus interest divided by your loan amount. It's your true cost. What people tend to do is they tend to go, is the interest rate less than the cap rate? I should be making money. They don't factor for the fact that a lot of these deals do have an actual principal payment. So your payment may be higher. Even if it's going to principal, you need to make sure that you're cash flowing. So very simple metric. It's called loan factor rate. This is the. There's two metrics that matter. I don't care about cash on cash return. That's very subjective, especially low money down. Like if you buy a deal zero down, your cash on cash return is infinite. infinite. Not, that's not super helpful as a metric. You're like, I'm making infinite money on my money. That is, what does matter is debt service coverage ratio. How much money do you have after paying all of your expenses and your debt? How much of that mortgage can you save? That matters. That matters for refinance. And that is just a great metric. I love that at 1.5. Loan factor rate, super easy. Principal plus interest divided by the loan amount. That percentage, oh, and it's annualized. So I guess it's principal plus interest times 12 divided by your loan amount. There needs to be a spread between that and your cap rate. You need to be making, you have to have a lower cost of capital than your cap rate. The gap between those two, your loan factor rate and your cap rate, that delta is the money that you are making on every dollar that you borrow in cash flow. That's the simple math behind it. That is why on any phone call, if someone brings up a deal within about 10 to 15 seconds, I can tell them exactly what I need to offer. If you want really easy math, 
do it in interest only. If you can't do loan factor rates in your head, that's totally fine. If you're doing principal plus interest, if you do interest only, 5% interest only is a loan factor rate of 5%. If it's a six cap deal and I'm borrowing a 5% interest only, my true cost of capital is 5%. I'll make a 1% spread on every dollar borrowed. And it's that simple. And every dollar that you have down is your cap rate. So the money you have in the deal is making 6% on that. Every dollar you borrow makes 1%. You can get into that deal 100% financed. If you borrowed all the money for it, you're making a 1% spread on other people's money. It will cash flow. Like that's the simplicity of the model. It's not hard math at all. Awesome. So let's go through a deal process. Let's go through yeah. like a, hypo- a hypothetical deal scenario here for somebody that, because there's a lot of people that are listening right now that are resonating with what you're saying. They're like, okay, I get it. I understand this. How, like you just said, and that we talked about in the beginning of the episode, what are my action steps? What do I take away from this to where I can go do this week and start moving and shaking here? Because I'm ready to do the multifamily deals. I want to start swinging bigger. I don't want to just buy a house a year. Let's walk them through this process here so they, they can have something tangible to take away. And then we can like get maybe do another episode later on about more advanced strategy, but let's give them some takeaways. Okay. So let me summarize the model quickly here. Step one, identify what you want to do and what it actually costs to get there. Like figure out what the cash flow is to, to hit your dream. Step two, find the people in the market you want to invest in who've already done what you want to do and don't ask them for a deal. Just ask them how they got to where they got. Step three, learn the basic math. And we're talking like algebra one. Income minus expenses equals cash flow. Learn what a loan factor rate is. Learn what DSCR means. If you can do those, you're going to buy deals that cash flow. Start with the deal. Then find your debt product, which is usually going to be 80 to 90% of your money. And if you need to bring in an equity partner, find the right equity partner. Deal, then debt, then equity. Always that order. Don't deviate. That's it. Like, how do you buy it? How do you never lose it? Long-term cash flowing fixed rate debt. There's the entire model. There's no secrets in this game. It's basic math. It's staying consistent, staying repetitive. But there's a reason so many people make so much money in real estate is it's not that hard. It's just not rocket science. It's just consistency. And it's making sure that you are not being a transactional deal junkie. Mm -hmm. Focus on just building those relationships. Your network gets bigger. It gets easier and easier. One more nugget I'll share super quick. People worry so much about the capital. They tend to just worry like, where's the money coming from? When I say deal, then debt, then equity, I've never met a single person in our mentorship group ever in two years who failed a capital raise, who stuck with the deal first, then the debt, then the equity. Money will find the deals. Just focus on the opportunity and building your network. Everything else will always follow. I've never seen an exception to that. So what's a good deal look like? Good deal looks like something in your market where you can buy it, you can never lose it, and you can cash flow it. So a great example, there's a Templex we bought last year. This is actually one where we did have a relationship with the seller. However, a broker actually reached out and said, hey, I I saw you bought the property next door. This guy's ready to sell. No way. That's Chad's property. I know everything about this. I would have offered a million dollars for it. We bought it for 900. Sorry, Chad. That's the number they threw out. Okay, they're they're willing to sell for 900. They're willing to hold the contract. That is one where it, and we were, this was Cody and I were in the car in Dallas. We're actually about to speak at, at an event down there. So before we got into the presentation, this is like an hour before someone calls and says, Hey, I just, I saw you guys buy in the area. You own a similar building. Would you like to buy this deal? Sure. They're, like, they're willing to hold a contract. They're looking for 10% down. What do you guys want to do on terms? 
the deal was like a seven cap. And so we asked for 5% interest only. We'll make a 2% spread of the money. That is the easiest math in the world. In about 10 seconds on the deal, it's 10 units. I know the building. I know the location because I know my market. I want the building. I know it will cash flow here. We wrote that up before we went on stage. When we got off stage that same day, we were under contract for the deal. So we got to call our shot on stage. People were like, how are you doing this? I'm like, while we were driving over here, someone called us on the phone call. We said, heck yeah, I love the deal. I know this is cash flow. Write it up. They wrote it up. It's a 15-year term, by the way. It has an option to extend after year 10. We put, I think, 50,000 more down, and it extends another five years. We bought this thing. It's the best cash flow, like just dollar per dollar. It's the most consistent, stable, easy building to manage. It's cash flowed every second we've owned it. That building just carries. It was a 10-second decision. Can we buy it? Will it cash flow here? That is the math. Yes, 5% interest only. Write it up. And then you get to call your shot. It's, it's, it's sexy when you hop on stage. We just heard about a deal. Next time you hear from us, we'll own it. Come out with a video three weeks later. Guess what, guys? We own it. That's how you do deals. It's consistency. Time kills deals. Uh, That's what a good deal looks like, though. Stable property in your market. You like the deal. It cash flows in the debt. 15 years, that counts as long-term debt. Yeah, man. I love that. So in the beginning, these first, like, how many transactions was this 200 portfolio spread out over? Four or five? No, 200 unit portfolio, a lot of it is six to 40 unit transactions. I'd say we'd probably a dozen deals. We average a deal every 45 days. So whatever that's been over two years, you math people can do the math on that, but it's over 10, less than 15 deals, somewhere in there. And you were doing, and you were doing these uh, 0% down for the most part, down payment, and then just seller finance interest only. Occasionally we'll do it. Like the fun thing with real estate, when you're buying a bunch of cash flow, sometimes you actually do get to hold cash when we have money. We buy a deal, just Cody and I. No partners, nothing. Just go out and buy a deal. So sometimes I put money down because it's awesome to put money down and not owe anyone anything. So that's like my favorite. Um, however, when you put all your money down and there's another deal, uh, you don't have money and you have to raise money again. So most of the deals are $0 out of pocket. Uh, some of them are 100% seller finance, by the way. We've done $0 down. We've done deals that are 4.5% down. We bought a property a million one. $50,000 down on 3% interest for, it was a seven year term. But like these deals are out there and they're awesome. Anyone can do these. You just have to ask for the terms that make it work for you. But yeah, a lot of these deals have been no to low money down, seller financed. And if we need to raise money, most we've ever put down on a property was a million dollars. That was raised over one coffee meeting. It went seven minutes long. We thought we were going to need three investors at 333,000. Uh, yeah, 333,000. The first person we pitched went, I love the deal. I'm more comfortable without partners. What would it look like if we brought, if, if we just did this just us? And Cody was like, that'd look a lot like you're writing a check for a million dollars. And then they did. Like, that's how it works with deal debt and equity. Like, we, if four and a half million dollar purchase, this was Robin Hood Village Resort, they wanted a million dollars down. So, deal, cash flowing resort, beautiful location on the water in the mountains, 12 acre campus, 20 cabins with hot tubs. Awesome property. Debt, $3.5 million seller carry. Last million dollars had to be raised as equity because additional debt on top of that would have killed the cash flow. So we needed equity partners willing to ride this with us. 
They came in. We have a buyout option to buy them out because we want to owe all the real estate. Within eight years, we buy them out. It's an eight-year term. So we buy them out the same time we pay off the, the seller note. Property pays for itself over the eight years. So we will own that, that whole resort, which should be worth closer to $8 million by the time we're done with them. But we'll own the whole thing with no debt, 100% ownership. That is a fantastic deal. And that is how we're buying these. Deal, then debt, then equity every single time. I love I love everything about this man. And but the difficult part is is I'm right there with you. So I was like, when what you're saying, what you're throwing, I'm catching. What, what I'm picking up what you're putting down, brother. Like, so it's like I got it. And it's yep. just like with my network, it's for me, there's no reason for me to go out and actively look for deals or do anything because it's just I have the people. But mm. now that it's like I run Action Academy community for people that are listening, like Christian has his thing. I've got Action Academy community, which you guys should join if you're ballers. And in there, there's so many people that are looking for multifamily, especially between that 20 to 60 unit multifamily packages. And they're doing, they're, man, they're trying to figure out what are the lead measure actions? Like, how do you win your week? How do you know at the end of the week that you did the actions necessary to produce the end result? And so as you're talking, I'm trying in my head to break this down into measurable lead measure actions, because like you said, they're already cold calling brokers. They're already doing all of that. I'm trying to think of for someone that's listening to this and they're like, okay, when I leave my job, like every single day, I need to do these, this handful of things. So you said, so I keep having it down to networking and learning about debt and terms and becoming really confident with like deals and debt and just knowing every single thing about that. And that doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Like if you want to streamline it, shameless people overcomplicate it. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you can learn it. You can learn it for free on YouTube. You can learn it on our course on multifamilystrategy.com. You can learn it in our mentorship group there. You can, you don't need to take a course or a mentorship group though, to learn these things because they're really simple. Can you streamline them? Sure. But it should be very simple. Learn the math, get those done. But the real action steps, like, I don't care what you're doing like right now. Yeah. It's make one phone call a day to an owner in your market. That's the action step I take one call per day. We look them all up on Google maps. I actually have a YouTube video on our channel, by the way, Cody Christian, uh, multifamily strategy, but it's this video with the big pink background. If you look at our most watched videos, it's eight minutes on how we find all of our deals. You drive Google maps, you click on the property, you see who owns it. You look up their phone number and you call that's there's no skip tracing. There's no software. We found this beautiful map that has every single building ever created on it. Google Maps, drive the street virtually, click on the darn building, and away you go. Super easy. But I choose someone who owns a property that's the type of thing that I would want to own. They've done something that I haven't done. And I just call them on the property. That's the action step. Do one of those a day. Book a coffee meeting a week. Every Saturday or Sunday, if you're a nine-to-fiver, get coffee with one person. And again, if you meet 50 people in your market, like this model will work for you and you will way outpace everyone who's not spending the 10 minutes to find someone to call once a day. Pro tip, if you want to accelerate this, start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do that sometime, man. I, I, we have the YouTube channel, which I could probably turn into a podcast at some point. But man, I hear that from everyone. That's what you're doing on steroids. Like me talking to you right now, like multiply that every single day of the week. So you're saying one coffee meeting, I'm doing like 20 coffee meetings a week because of people that I'm meeting. And so it's the cheat code. In the beginning, 
you can get those local people because they don't really know if your show's big or not. Then as you now where the show's at this point now, where I'm a couple DMs away or maybe some months working with someone's assistant to get them on the show, but people will come on the show. Yep. And it's two years deep. So it's just a podcast is an awesome way to do it. Even just for the fact, the reason I started this show was I was just wanting to talk to interesting people and basically do what you're saying. And then it just accidentally became a business on top. Yep. And if you guys aren't listening to the show every day, I don't know what the heck you're doing. So if you've listened yeah, this exactly. far and you haven't subscribed to this, this podcast and listened to it daily, I don't know what you're doing because I'm not that interesting. If you're listening this long, you guys got to stick around for, for every other day. So hit that darn. Yeah. Hit that darn subscribe button, guys. Rock and roll. And gals, hop yeah. on. From a YouTuber right there. So man, where do people find out more about you? Where do people follow you? Where do people find the course? Hit us with it. So easiest way to contact me hands down is Instagram because their messaging is like way easier and it's not spammy like Facebook's at Christian Osgood on Instagram. You want to learn everything for free. uh, Check out. We have a free course link on every single video, but go to our YouTube channel. It's Cody and Christian multifamily strategy. Literally everything is shared there. If you want to streamline it, multifamilystrategy.com. We share our whole journey. We have all sorts of education, but the big thing is community. We have a community of people doing deals together all the time, whether you have money or not, people partner on this, they connect, they learn together. We have a fantastic community there. So check that out, multifamilystrategy.com. But seriously, I think the easiest place to learn, hop on YouTube. It's free and there's a link to everything I do on the channel. So just hop on and Cody and Christian multifamily strategy. We do three videos a week. So we've been doing that for two years. So you got like a thousand videos to pour through if you want to learn how to do this. Yeah, we'll for sure have some type of partnership here soon, dude. Just this is awesome. All right. Heck yeah, guys, go follow the channel. Check out Christian. All the links that he just talked about are going to be in the, in the podcast bio. And with that, dude, that is a freaking podcast episode. Thanks for coming on, brother. Dude, thanks for having me. It's been Brian and Christian with the Actually Happy Podcast. Signing off. Hey, real quick. If you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it. So I need your help specifically. My two-year vision with this show is to help over 1 million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want, and I can only do that with your help. There are two main ways that a podcast grows. One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow.